The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Data Reaper podcast. I'm your host, Ridiculous Hat, and I am joined by the podcaster of a thousand truths, Zach O. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? Okay, hold on. We have to stop here for a second. We have gotten what? a lot of comments recently and a review that I always ask I how know, you're doing. I know, I know. And no, you never tell me. So, Zach, how are because you Because I'm hiding doing? the pain of my existence. Um, I'm doing okay. Yeah. It's fine. Good. We're good. Listeners, the the one truth out of the thousand that you wanted to know, here you go. Zach is doing okay. I am also doing all right. We hope you're doing okay. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, so our current schedule, the next show will be Saturday the 14th, the next report, Thursday the 12th. We know there's a patch coming, 23.2, but that's a it's a Battlegrounds content patch from what we can tell. We haven't seen patch notes yet. Maybe they'll sub- surprise us on Monday. Usually they don't put balance changes in content patches, and usually they wait a month after the the two-week balance patch in in expansions for another change that usually is a bit more substantive, usually has some buffs right before the mini set. It's possible they do have a window here to make some smaller changes, but they would usually be numbers only because they don't have time to send the changes through for localization, translation, to get new content in the game. Just, Just change numbers. I don't anticipate that happening, but it is technically a possible thing where they could nudge a card here, here or there, could be something like how they changed Twin Slice randomly in the middle of Ashes, you know, went from 0 plus 1 to 1 plus 2, or like how they did the Stealer of Souls and Flesh Giant changes in Stormwind, where it was just a, a balance patch outside the normal cadence. Don't know if we're at that level. It is possible. I wouldn't expect it personally. Yeah, I don't. I, I think we're still uh, some way away from a balance patch, but... Yep, I would guess we'll uh, two and a half weeks, I would guess... Yeah, Tuesday yeah, yeah. the 24th is the date that I am expecting the next change to standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, in any case, we have the second report of Sunken City. The first report after the initial balance changes that the rework for Kazakhstan, the Raid the Docks nerf, which I sometimes forget was a thing. My experience against Pirate Warrior has been exactly the same, Zach. Has been exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, for me too. Uh, I don't meet them. I don't see them. Uh, what was the other change? There was another change, wasn't it? To Pirate oh, Warrior? Miracle Growth. Oh, no, Miracle, no, Miracle Growth. Growth. Miracle Kazakasan, yeah. Pufferfist. Raid the Docks. Pufferfist, yeah. Kazakasan was important. Remember how Druid was overpowered and now it's like not? Do you remember how the nerf to Kazakhstan wouldn't do a thing because uh, Druid is broken and doesn't even want to run Kazakhstan? I remember. I do remember that. I, I remember these arguments. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so Druid... We'll talk about Druid uh, later, about its prospects and what it needs to do. Uh, but the current format is pretty um, limited and very narrow. Because Demon Hunter is just much better than anything else in the format by far. And it's oppressively strong. Uh, We had a report this week with a tier list, a top legend, which is 
I give a lot. I give, I give more weight to top legend, and and some some people um, are sometimes upset by that. But top legend is where the meta is most advanced in its development, uh, other than and uh, some phenomenon that we'll we'll talk about later. But it, it's where things are most developed, and when where things are most developed, you got two tier one decks. And no tier two decks because the tier one decks just kill all the tier two decks and obliterate them to the point where everything is tier three or below. And um, yeah, uh, things are rough, but um, we tried to find some solutions to some decks. There's some important stuff in the report that's worth noting that could be helpful to some of the lesser decks in the format. But don't don't expect the things to change too drastically. It's still going to be the Demon Hunter meta with Warrior as its sole consistent counter. And uh, yeah, we'll get to it. But Demon Hunter was really easy to refine. Uh, I refined it. And the last podcast, it was... Uh, the, f- the perfect 29 was pretty obvious. The 30th card honestly doesn't matter. Uh, I like the second bone. Corvass Bloodthorn. Oh, people! Oh, the Casey thing. Uh, I actually didn't notice much of it, of uh, the Corvass Blackthorn thing. Uh, it didn't. It didn't gain too much traction for me to, you know, see a lot of data on. But uh, it's not terrible. But there's might be better stuff. It's irrelevant, like you said. However, I've been playing playing that build. I have one very important note. If you play Corvas and you play Drek'thar on turn four, do not slam end turn. You have to wait and see. I have missed a couple damage here and there. Yeah, but the the Casey build, the thing I have an issue with is that it doesn't run even one Bone Glaive. You need at least one. Um, it's it's pretty important, especially like in the Warrior matchup. Uh, so run at least one Bone Glaive. 29 cards, the, the 30th honestly doesn't matter. As long as it doesn't make Drek'thar, like it, I don't think it's, you, you can run Wisp, because that hurts Drek'thar but technically you can run whatever you want, whatever spell you want, and it, it wouldn't be disruptive to the deck's win rate too much. Um, yeah, Feldiage sucks. By comparison, Jace has nothing on Drek'thar, and if you take you play Demon Hunter, you're gonna have pretty consistently a good time. Um, Warrior is the only tough matchup, but even that matchup is like what slightly under forty percent, uh, very winnable. Um, there's it's it's kind of difficult to pilot from the Demon Hunter side. It's not an easy matchup to pilot, but it's it's very winnable, and you can be rewarded if you. Know how to time your damage. And if Sathino lines up correctly, when Sathino lines up, you can just get these giant piles of damage. Yeah, yeah. When Sathino lines up, then that that's very helpful. It's part of the reason why Sathino is in the list now, where pre-patch, uh, I wasn't even that impressed with it. Because pre-patch against Druid, Sathino didn't matter nearly as much. You just wanted to snowball early on the Druid. Snowballing punishes you. Like, 
I often, I, I'm sure it's correct to still keep Vanguard, but I feel bad keeping Vanguard against Warrior because I just know I'm going to get ranked out of the Vanguard game. You don't keep Vanguard against Warrior. No, you don't well, keep well, Vanguard against Warrior. You just straight up, like, there's some people who don't even play Vanguard. They just let it sit in their hand. Uh, I'm not sure that's correct that's, because, you know, there's some, some Warriors are start, some warriors started to cut Rancor, uh, which is something that it, it, it it's actually happening. So I'm not sure what the what the correct thing to do now with Vanguard against Warrior, but man, High Legend is messing people up, huh? Yeah, some players straight up are not playing Van Vanguard in that matchup at all, and never giving rank or value. Um, yeah. So Demon Hunter is good, much better than anything else. Warrior is the only counter. Um. Only consistent counters. I would say Paladin is more of a softer counter against uh, the need for greed, the new need for greed build with Boneglaive. Yeah. I, I'm not convinced that Holy Paladin's a real deck, but we'll get there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's fine. Uh, you want to run Kazakasan with uh, in Control Warrior. Um, there are people who always make noise with the Galvanjar build. The Gavanger build is way worse. I know how what it shows on HS Replay. HS Replay is making a recognition mistake over there. Uh, where Galvanger build is win rate is heavily inflated over there. And it's nowhere near as it per, does not perform nearly as well as it, it looks. Um, if you look at the meta tab, that's where you see the error. You look at the dex tab, you see the facts, you see the reality. Kazakhstan build is much better. We see it in our data too. So, uh, with with the Kazakhstan build, it's actually interesting because you know there's the rancor discussion. Most builds on ladder run one rancor, sometimes even none. I'm not sure that's correct. Uh, even with the Vanguard thing, like even if the Demon Hunter doesn't play Vanguard, I'm not sure it's correct to cut rancors. Uh, I, I the way I see it, you've got two options. You either run two Rancors or you run Nut at all. If you run Nut at all, then that means you're encountering a greedy meta where you don't see a lot of Demon Hunters and then you kind of question yourself, why am I playing Control Warrior anyway? Because when you look at Control Warrior's matchup spread, uh, it's pretty reliant on the high popularity of Demon Hunter to be successful. It's not inherently insane deck, but... Uh, I still think it needs to be addressed because if you nerf Demon Hunter uh, eventually and other aggressive decks are going to pop up, then Control Warrior is still going to dominate those decks. Uh, so on one hand, Control Warrior is kind of reliant on Demon Hunter to be popular in order to see success. On the other hand, Demon Hunter is keeping other aggressive decks unplayable, which would be also good matchups uh, for Control Warrior, maybe even better matchups than, than the Demon Hunter one. So, uh, the build in the report, pretty confident that that's the correct build outside of two cards. Uh, Ravager is really good. Like, if you, like, in, in the Warrior Mirror, where Rancor is kind of useless, uh, running another Amalgam and running a, 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 a Ravager is really good. Like, it also feels pretty good. Like, you can raise, the, like, uh, from the depths, if you play from the depths, or even a couple from the depths, you get one from school teacher. That can happen. And then you Ravager and find your Finley. That's big. Uh, sometimes Control Warrior, right? Control Warrior is normally a very defensive deck. 
uh, a somewhat passive deck, but sometimes you from the depths into Finley and you do some crazy cheese, right? Outside of the from the depths and finding Nelly, which can just win some games. Uh, Warrior has some ability to, to switch into the beatdown thanks to from the depths and, and, and Finley and start to pressure the opponent. Yeah, and Cantor's Flow is good, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Seems um, seems relevant. And then Gorlock Ravager is just, it's a Ringmaster Watley, and you get some pretty powerful targets there. Yeah, I mean, getting getting Mutinous, also getting Amalgams, which means you can accelerate your Kazakasen. Sometimes you can play Kazakasen early if you get Ravager. So in the slower matchups, I really like the package of adding another Amalgam and a Ravager. Uh, which which is it's just good in the mirror uh, specifically. Um, yep. I mean the format is still relatively low power, so just adding a draw three five drop, good enough, good enough right yeah, now, yeah. especially um, for what we get. Uh, I don't know. I mean it's it's more of a draw three. It's kind of a tutor to like two of the most important cards in the deck, which is Finley and Mutinous. Uh, and Amalgam is also pretty relevant for the Kazakhstan activation post patch. So there's definitely something there, and I wish I could fit everything in, but it was very difficult, and eventually it comes down to to a certain choice that you need to make. Quest Warrior hasn't changed a thing. Yeah, raised the dock, nerfed, but that doesn't change anything about what it wants to do and how it wants to build a deck. Same 30 list. Deck is far worse. Uh, Unplayable at Top Legend, um, pretty much, but... The main thing is it was nerfed so that it would be weaker at lower ranks of ladder, which it is. Uh, Demon Hunter is now the best deck in the game everywhere on ladder. Uh, and Warrior, it like deputizes it maybe at like lower ranks like gold, bronze, the things like that. Uh, where Quest, Quest Warrior is still very powerful, but Demon Hunter is even more powerful, even at these ranks. So, yeah, that's that's Warrior. Drew, uh, so the Gavanger build, it's just, it's just way worse. Uh, I know people keep saying, talking about why, why is VS not talking about the Gavanger build? It's because it's worse, uh, and it's pretty obvious from the data. If you know how to, not, if you don't fall into pitfalls of recognition biases, which is what's happening on another website. Druid, um, Druid is good. I think Druid. It's going to figure itself out and get to Tier 2. I think it's the third best deck in the format, actually, after Control Warrior and Demon Hunter. I think it's better than Quest Hunter, especially if it rises in play. It's going to beat the Quest Hunters down. It's still a good matchup for the Druid. Uh, the thing that holds Druid back is refinement issues. Um, there are three variants you see. We talked about in the report. One drops Kazakhstan. Oh, I mean, Kazakhstan is not even important. Lots of people said that before the patch. The nerf to Kazakhstan is not going to do a thing. Turns out it does a lot. Without Kazakhstan, this deck is far worse. Even if it finds like some alternative win condition, it's just far worse. It's got to work harder now. That's what we wanted. We wanted the deck to have to work harder. It does. It's worse. And it's good. It's what, it's what, what they're going to do. It needs to make tough decisions. Like a lot yeah. of its success has to do with the warrior matchup. With the warrior matchup, you need Kazakhstan. Uh so you run amalgams of the deep. Um, but that means you're investing deck slots into a two mana two three in Druid. 
And you're definitely not thrilled to do that. Uh, you have to, to, to uh, you have to cut things. Like Kelp Keeper becomes this flex card rather than a core card. And it's not because you don't really you don't want Kelp Keeper. You do. It's just that the meta is forcing Druid into a position where it needs to decide whether it wants to not completely die to Demon Hunter or uh and, and just be worse versus slower in slower matchups or still be very good in the slower matchup but just completely get obliterated by Demon Hunter. So the build that we have in the report, the Ramp Kazakasan build, has Druid of the Reef and Spammy Arcanist. Both of these cards are your two best card in the Demon Hunter matchup. If you don't run these cards, you lose over 10% in the matchup against Demon Hunter. With both of them in, I think that matchup is as close to 40-60 as possible. But if you don't run them, that matchup goes south of 30%. So, oof. It's very rough, yeah. If you don't run Reef and Spammy, it's very rough. But that means if you're running Reef and Spammy, it means you can only run one Oracle. You can't run Battlemaster. And Oracle and Battlemaster are cards that we've identified before the patch, and it's still true that today, that are important for Druid's late-game dominance. And lacking Battlemaster can be relevant in a lot of matchups, and having just one Oracle is definitely um, can be a liability uh, in a lot of situations. But if you don't run Reef and Spammy, like you're queuing into Demon Hunter, you're going to get absolutely destroyed. And yeah. yeah, technically the Demon Hunter can play around Spammy Arcanus to an extent, but Reef and Spammy actually have pretty good synergy together. If you're missing a one health minion, you can play Reef and then Spammy reef into the three one form or you can reef into the one three if you are missing the three breakpoint or like for example if you're facing a naga mage board uh reef and spammy often allow you like reef often enables you gives you that breakpoint that missing health breakpoint that you need in order to clear the naga siren board so not only are these cards really important against demon hunter they also have synergy together and you can often use Reef in order to activate Spammy in order to clear the whole board. So they're, they kind of go together. Um, obviously, again, you can go the other route if you're not seeing a lot of Demon Hunters somehow. Maybe in the inbred top legend meta where maybe you want to run another Druid deck. But if you're running this deck, uh, yeah. If like if you, you can sack the Demon Hunter matchup and trust me, if you don't run these cards, you're gonna die to Demon Hunter a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And then there's the third variant. I think that's the most inbred variant, which is the Celestial Alignment build, uh, oh, yeah. which runs spammy. Uh, this deck still runs spammy, but this deck you're looking at a win rate against Demon Hunter of like with spammy, it's like. 25% and without spammy it's 15 <laughs> something like that I'm not even exaggerating 25 is higher than I would have expected because you really need everything to go right it's maybe slightly over 20 and then without spammy it's like hopeless like it's almost like I think they win by having the demon hunter disconnect honestly I have no idea how you win that matchup it's very very rough um uh, the alignment variant uh, got some publicity at Top Legend, where there is an inbred meta, 
and I'll talk about that in Bread Meta after we talk about all the classes uh, where people are countering poor priests because the alignment very has like a 95% win rate against uh, poor priests. So you just get a free win. But that's pretty much what the deck is. Uh, it's good, like destroys boar priest. Better in the druid mirror. That's it. There's no other upside. It's not even better against control warrior compared to the ramp Kazakistan build. Uh, there's there's some um, um, notion or narrative that alignment is better against control warrior. It is not true. Uh, certainly not against the Kazakistan build. Maybe against there's the Galvanger. There's this dream of like you do this crazy alignment term and then you end with an Okani and that locks them out. And all the warrior has to do is have one armor, a shield shatter, and a brawl. And then they feed the shield shatter into the Okani and then they brawl and then your stuff is dead. Yeah, but it's like it's good against warrior. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It is sure. good against warrior, but sure, I mean, you can cut spammy and run Okani. And have like a 15% win rate against Demon Under. Sure, you can do that. But again, like it's not like it's not like you're much better against Warrior compared to the Ramp Kazakhstan. This is not why you run the stack. You run the stack to kill Bo Boar Priests. That's it. And win the mirror. In the mirror, it's very good uh, as well. It has a, a clear edge, but that's it. Like I looked into it. What are the upside of alignment? Those are the upsides. And because some people thought that it had other upsides, then people brought it to tournaments where it was consistently the worst deck by far in the in the format, in the tournament oh, yeah. it lineups. Was, I think it, it uh, was the Masters Tour. It was under 40%. I had to it's ask was, Wickedgood to expand the graph because it cut off at 40% <laughs> win rate and I couldn't highlight it because it was at it's 39. Yeah. yeah, it's horrid. Now... Again, this is a deck that even for me fooled me a little bit in theory because of what it actually wanted to do. But once I got the data in, I actually saw because Ramp Kazakhstan was not refined, or I didn't see good refined builds for it in the first 48 hours of the patch. But now that I have a weeks of data and I can compare the builds, I can tell you only Boar Priest and the Mirror, these are the only matchups where this, this variant actually has a real upside over the Ramp Kazakhstan. Maybe maybe it's good against Agony Warlock. But it's probably so good against can, Agony Warlock. So if you're seeing a lot of the meta tyrant boar priests, a top legend, that's pretty much why you run alignment. That's it. Uh, you know what? I, I wanted to hold this over. I wanted to, to wait until we talk about all the classes, but maybe this is actually a good time to talk about the inbred meta top legend. Yeah, because we're mentioning alignment or we're talking about Boar Priest. I mentioned the Agony Warlock matchup. We should probably talk about this weird bubble. Yeah, so so here's what happens. This happens a lot. I have a, a lot of experience. I've been following the meta and the Hearthstone meta for years now. And this is kind of what happens when there's a very narrow meta where there's a, like only two, three or two or three strong decks in the format. What ends up happening is top legend, like... People fool around more at lower ranks of ladder. Also, decks that are really strong. Uh, you know, people are not as efficient at refining them, uh, taking them to that uh, a final form or the highest power level that they can they can abuse it as much as possible. They don't do that as much uh, at lower ranks of ladder. At top legend, people play what's good, or they're very incentivized to play what's good. 
when you have a situation where the only good decks, right, in the initial phase, I call it, is there's only two good decks. There's Demon Hunter and there's Control Warrior. And Control Warrior is only good because it beats a Demon Hunter. So a top legend, like top 100 legend or top 10 legend, you can have a, 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 a meta picture where everybody either plays Aggro Demon Hunter or Control Warrior. In that situation, when there are only like two decks, then people will start thinking about countering one of them. They will build decks that specifically only do one thing, and that is win one matchup. Now, Demon Hunter is hard to counter. It is is a hard counter. Control Warrior, far more far easier to counter. And then you've got people running Boar Priest. And Boar Priest beats Warrior very, very effectively. And against Demon Hunter, it's slightly unfavored, maybe. Some people claim it's favored. I highly doubt it. I think that you can have a situation where there are a lot of people playing Boar Priest, and one person will happen to have a good win rate against Demon Hunter over a six-game sample size, will post it on Twitter, and immediately everyone will think that Boar Priest now beats Demon Hunter if you just got good, right? Uh, which is biased reporting. You have like people losing that matchup. They're not reporting it. Person won that matchup. He's posting it on Twitter. That's the problem with biased reporting from Twitter because people tend to not post their failures. They will post their success stories. So you have a situation where now, because there are only two real decks in the format, Boar Priest rises in value because it wins the Warrior matchup. And then everybody at Top Legend who follows that specific person who who, who shows that Boar Priest is insane, they start running Boar Priest. And then, because there's no diversity in the format, and you only see two matchups, suddenly you see only three matchups, then people will start countering the Boar Priest that are running on hype fumes, right? And suddenly, Alignment Druid, a deck that's utter trash... Pretty much, the variant is just complete garbage. Suddenly, queues into Boar Priest, gets free win, wins. Midi queues up Lyman Druid, runs into 3-4 Boar Priest, pings number one legend, tweets it out, and suddenly people think that the meta is Demon Hunter, Warrior, Boar Priest, and Lyman Druid. And then suddenly, Midi will post another list that beats Boar Priest, some Agony Warlock deck. Ugh. And everybody now thinks that the top legend meta is some mumbo jumbo with like three weird decks, Demon Hunter and Warrior. This is what happens when there's lack of diversity and lack of options in a very narrow meta where top legend players are only going to run into like two decks. They will aggressively build stuff that only wins one matchup or one and a half matchups and those decks will get perpetuated to the point where people think will actually think they're good in a diverse meta you don't see this phenomenon because you run into a lot of different matchups so the top legend players they see a lot of different opponents they can't hyper focus on trying to win one matchup uh and you're far less likely to see you're still gonna see baits you're still going to see number one legend decks, the decks that are complete trash. But this happens far more often when there's a narrow meta, there's not a lot of options. And it makes sense, right? 
if I can't play, if I feel like if I'm a top legend player and I feel like I can't play Shaman or I can't play this deck or I can't play that deck and I can only play two decks, I will try to solve. It's not like I'm stupid. It's not like Midi is stupid. He's seeing two matchups. He's trying to counter one of them. It makes sense. But if you're playing at any other rank of ladder and it's not a skill issue here, this is certain, this is just a, a meta environment issue. You where there are more people, it's just more, more people. people. That's it. More people who are likely to make different choices because you don't run into the same three players as your opponents all the time. Then you're less likely to find success with a deck that wins one matchup, which is something like the Agony Warlock or something like a Lyman Druid, which is basically run into Borpris or die, right? Uh, or kind of die. So that's a situation. You see a lot of demon hunters, controllers countering the demon hunters. Suddenly, a Lyman Druid looks juicy because Boar Priest is countering the Warriors and, and stuff like that. But those are inbred top legend uh, developments in a narrow meta where there are, at the surface, two playable decks. Two decks that are actually playable. Uh, so you've got this these weird situations happening. Uh, this is uh, something that's common. This is something that doesn't surprise me. Uh, this is something that tells me, Zacco, the current meta is pretty narrow, pretty limited, and people are just, you know, trying to figure out whatever they can in the harsh environment of, like, two actually good decks. Um, so, yeah. So that's something to keep in mind with those... We're just playing ladder, not necessarily at top 10 legend, and don't have four opponents that they queue into over and over again. Um, yeah, don't get baited by things that win one matchup. In any case, that's uh, Druid. Quest Druid is kind of cute, but it's yeah. also pretty wait bad. Minute, wait a minute, I have a question. This is yeah. after the data close to the report. Do you have any data on Flipper Friends Druid? What is Flipper that Friends Druid? So No Hands what Gamer. Is... No Hands Gamer. Had a, had a water druid list that had flipper friends and sea giants and compostings and frost saber, frostwolf matriarchs. So I wasn't sure if that popped up for us yet. I mean, we theorycrafted that kind of idea. Yes. Or the. Oh, oh, okay. So, like, does it run like four giants and battlemaster and. He cut to three giants because sea giant was a little awkward. Uh, but yes, it's. Uh, it was three giants. Oh yeah. yeah, okay. This deck is trash. Forget about it. Mm -hmm. It's trash. Aww. It's trash. It's fun though. I mean, you don't. It, yeah, I guess, but it, it's it's not good. It, it runs composting flipper, right? Yeah, no, it no, does not good. Oh not man, good. but I drew six um, cards one time. Doesn't that mean it's a good deck? Yeah, it's it's like it's just more inbred decks. A top legend that. Because the thing is, things are like, the thing about Twitter, about bias reporting, is that nobody's going to have a good run with Demon Hunter at Top Legend and post about it on Twitter. That's false. That's false. Nor was tweeted about it. He got rank one legend back to protect people from meaty. Yes, he got number one legend, so he posts about it. But nobody's going to like, do you even see screenshots of people posting about their 
20, number 20 legend, number 13 legend, number 16 legend with Demon Hunter because people are going to come in to say, oh, what did you do? You didn't achieve anything. People only tweet when they do something unique. I mean, I'm on Twitter a lot, so I do see those tweets, but I get, I get your point. You get only the weird stories, right? What do you hear about the news? You don't hear about people's everyday life news, right? You don't hear about this woman who went grocery shopping, got some chicken, some vegetables, and potato chips. That's not interesting. You hear about bank robberies. You hear about rare uh, occurrences. That's what you hear about in the news. Right. Well, and that's why I'm I'm asking you because... I want to hear, I want to know in the data, like, I played a few games of this Druid deck. It's goofy, it's fun, it's unreliable, whatever. I want to see if it showed up in the data, maybe there was a chance of something good here, or if it just loses the Demon Hunter like everything else. But I'm saying that in, in the current environment, where there's, where there's this one dominant deck, you're only going to hear about the stories where somehow some other deck had success you're not gonna hear about you're not gonna see twitter your twitter timeline be filled with stories oh i took this aggro demon hunter to top one uh, to top 10 legend i took this aggro demon hunter to top 100 legend or whatever uh you're not gonna you're just gonna hear about curse warlock and sorry agony warlock and flipper friends druid and all sorts of things that people are desperately trying to make work in this harsh environment and when somebody doesn't, when it doesn't work, when they stream and they play all sorts of stuff and they lose and they die, they're not going to post that on Twitter, right? They're only going to post things when things work out. This is the issue of bias reporting through Twitter. It's not, I'm not criticizing these players. It's a natural, it's something that's natural that happens when the situation occurs, when the situation happens. It's, it's fine. Just keep in mind why it happens. Anyway, um, I also looked up yeah, the data on the deck list in particular. Um, this ramp druid list with flipper friends better than agony warlock, but um, uh, yeah. but I'm not telling you, I'm seeing better. it. My data, just just forget about it. It's not good. I, I, I know. Um, I know. Quest druid also, uh, quest druid also not good. People claim that quest druid is back. Um, no, uh, no. Hunter. Hunter, I think, is the fourth best class in the format post-refinement. I think Quest Hunter is, you know, there are lots of people who demand to, win, uh, to nerf Quest Hunter. If you know, if you want to know why, lots of people demand uh, to nerf Quest Hunter is because Quest Hunter is really good, generally, on ladder. You look at its performance everywhere it's out of top legend. It's very, very strong. Again, streamlined game plan. Uh, it's not Quest Warrior, right? But it has a streamlined game plan. Uh, it kind of tells you how to win the game. Uh, kind of tells you what you need to do. It's got Drek'thar. Drek'thar is even a bigger power outlier in Quest Hunter than it is in Quest in Aggro Demon Hunter. Like that deck is highly reliant on Drek'thar to cheese some games, um, especially in like matchups like Druid. Um, Drek'thar is is very relevant. Uh, but once you get to the uh, you know, the top legend meta where the things are more advanced and people are playing what's good, usually, right? Uh, then Quest Hunter struggles and it's struggling harder and harder. Its win rate is dropping. Uh, now, sure, the, the current uh, win rate on the report is like 50% essentially, 
So you could say, oh, maybe it's actually tier two and this is just a small variance. Uh, no, the thing about Quest Hunter is that its win rate is getting worse over time and it's going to get worse by next week. It's nowhere. It's not It's not going to get back to tier two. No. Um, yeah, regarding build, nothing, nothing big about it. No great news about it. I mean, it's a quest deck. It's pretty easy to figure out what it wants to do. Treasure Guard right now are pretty important um, for its ability to defend itself. Uh, like if you Drek'thar before the Demon Hunter gets to Drek'thar first, then maybe you have a pretty good chance. Uh, but that matchup got a lot harder for the Quest Hunter once Demon Hunter started to run Bonglave in greater numbers. Uh, that that card is a, is a game changer in that matchup specifically. Other Hunter decks, not so lucky. Uh, Face Hunter, no chance. Like if like this format has no aggressive deck that's successful. Other than maybe successful at high levels of play, other than Agro Demon Hunter, because Agro Demon Hunter kills all the other aggressive decks on top of Control Warrior, killing what's left, right? These decks just give no chance for other aggressive decks to thrive. And this is what happened to Face Hunter. It is gone. Mage. Uh, I think Mage is one of the more interesting classes in the format. I think people have finally caught on to wildfire being a real thing. They finally figured it out. Thanks to Fino, who started to believe in the wildfire variant and started to play it more. Uh, wildfire Nagamage is pretty good. I think it's one of the better decks that's not de- Demon Hunter and a Warrior. Um, it, it, it's, it certainly has got game. It's got the ability to do well against... I, I don't even want to say it because you're going to say, oh... So Wildfire Naga Mage can can go 50-50, almost 50-50 against Demon Hunter and beat Warrior. So that must mean that it's insane, right? Um, well, it's got issues in other matchups, like for example, Quest Hunter. But uh, and you also for it to go almost 50-50, but not really 50-50, you need to run Snow Flurries. Now, Snow Flurry has this funny um additional upside of being kind of good against boar priest because it helps you delay their weapon swing what what are that's, you laughing about it's actually not, relevant no it's, i hadn't thought of that before right now and you know what oh i then, bet that matters i bet that matters it does it does matter it does actually matter but um generally if you're not seeing a tons of boar priest then you probably want to run them um more Nagas, uh, like Crush Claw. You Man, know, I talked like, about in the last I need to take a second. Hold on a second here. We have Boar Priest to counter the Rise of Warriors, so we have Agony Warlock to counter the Boar Priest, and also the Snow Flurry can stop the <laughs> Elwyn Boar deck by freezing its face for one turn with one ping. What a stupid yeah. meta. Like, that's, I don't even think it's a bad meta. Just, like, these are very silly things. No, it's a bad meta. It's a bad meta. Don't don't get it twisted, Hat. This is a bad meta, but yeah, Wildfire Wildfire Nagamage is I think is a pretty good deck. Yeah, I like it a lot. It it's fun and interesting to play and the games are different from from game to game. They're variable. You get two different plans. You kind of get to mix and match a little bit. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. If you if you don't run into an absurd amount of demon hunters, then Crush Claw Enforcer is better than Snow Flurry. Bran, you know, I talked about it in the last podcast that Bran actually didn't look like bait. 
Baron is not bait, but it's not one of the best 30 cards in this deck. Same for Zola. These cards are just a bit too slow and situational for them to be good. You 100% want Magister Dongrass. This is the card that really helps you against Warrior and gives you that edge. Like the Ignite build of Wildfire of Naga Mage is bad against Warrior. The Wildfire build is very good against Warrior. This is a major difference and makes this deck from a deck that just serves no purpose, losing to both Demon Hunter to Warrior and Warrior to one that actually wins one of the uh, one of the matchups pretty comfortably. And that's a very, very big deal for, for its potential relevance. And I think that Naga Mage is comfortably tier 3, if not even maybe breaks 50% if you exclusively run the Wildfire variant. Uh, obviously, it's matchup dependent, but the Wildfire build is the truth. And Mechmage is, you know, there's not much to say about Mechmage. I mean, pretty good decks at lower ranks of ladder. It's a decent deck. High levels of play falls off pretty hard. Now let's talk about Boar Priest hat. Let's talk about Priest. Um, lots of debate and stuff. Like it, it feels like this happens uh, every expansion that there's some some deck with a high skill ceiling that some pros immediately call it the best deck in the game. So how high is the skill cap here? At like what is the height between like a Dark Moon Fair Lifesteal DH versus a Garrote Rogue? Now, I will remind you, I will remind you, Hat, in terms of, okay, in terms of matchup improvement, this deck is equal to Garot Rogue. However, you have to remember that a skill ceiling can only be measured relative to the respective meta. Like, if there's a, if there's a format that has a lot of high skill cap decks, then the skill cap metric like the the mo the high the deck with the highest skill cap is gonna have a relatively lower number. If you have a format with a lot of low skill cap decks, then a deck with even a decent skill ceiling will look very very good by comparison. You can't compare Garot Rogue to Boar Priest because Garot Rogue had other competitors that had pretty steep skill ceiling in that format. Boar Priest is facing a format that's very watered down in terms of skill ceiling. This is a meta that's far less skill intensive compared to things that I've seen in Stormwind and in Alterac. So the fact that Boar Priest shows a pretty steep uh, learning curve and a high skill ceiling relatively to the current format is not the same as what Garot Rogue has accomplished uh, during Stormwind Alterac. So... Boar Priest is by far the most skill-testing deck in Sunken City. It's pretty evident based on the performance. However, since the current format doesn't really have a lot of decks with great player agency, let's say that, then the numbers that it boasts are not comparable to the numbers of Garot Rogue. Maybe that will change over time, but that's kind of what I wanted to say. Now, the other thing that I want to say is that it's too often that the conversation about these decks becomes whether this deck is the best deck in the game or it's gutter trash. Why do we always talk in black and white? What if Boar Priest maybe has a decent role in the format, but it's not the best deck? Maybe Boar Priest makes sense a top legend 
if, again, you have this inbred meta where people play either Demon Hunter or Control Warrior, and then the Boar Priest players try to counter the Control Warrior, which they can do very successfully, and if they can break even in the not too unfavored matchup against Demon Hunter, if they break even, they look good, like then it makes sense, right? If, if Boar Priest can improve the matchup against Demon Hunter, then it makes sense. But I will say that I am monitoring Board Priest progress in terms of win rate at higher levels of play. I'm looking at it as a day-to-day thing because there's an expectation that Board Priest will improve over time as people learn the deck. If people could learn Gero Rogue, let me remind you, initially looked garbage, and then people learned the deck and improved over time and eventually became a tier one best deck in the game. So maybe Boar Priest does that. However, what I'm seeing so far is that Boar Priest is not improving in its win rate. It's regressing in its win rate. It is not showing that that same thing that I saw with Garot Rook, where people improve with it over time. Now, maybe this is still too early. Maybe this is a function of new players getting into the deck and learning it. As, as they hear about its, uh, you know, hear all the hype about it. But so far, I'm not seeing that rise and improvement in its performance. Another thing to keep in mind, it's really easy to counter. Like, counter very hard. Uh, if you're playing, like, Boar Priest only makes sense in Top Legend, where there's this inbred meta, and then somebody runs the Lyman Druid just to target the Boar Priest. Or they run this weird Agony Warlock. Now, these decks are not good, right? But it doesn't matter. If they exist and they hard counter Boar Priest and beat it like 95% of the time or 85% of the time, how can you sit there and claim that Boar Priest is the best deck in the game? Last time I checked, no best deck in the game could be hard hard countered 95 to 5 by even a semi-relevant deck in the format. So if Boar Priest has these super, super hard counters... It cannot functionally be the best deck in the game because if it ever gets popular, even 10% of the meta, then people will just super target it and get easy wins off of it with just alignment to it. So I find it very hard to envision how Boar Priest becomes the best deck in the game statistically at any level of play just because of that reason. Demon Hunter is hard to counter. You're playing Control Warrior and you're winning barely over 60% of the time against that deck. Boar Priest has a 595 matchup. Have you ever seen a tier one deck with a 595 matchup? Have you ever seen a tier one deck on ladder with a 2080 matchup? It just doesn't happen. Maybe it was Quest Rogue back in Boomsday had that, but it just, this just doesn't happen because it's enough for alignment variant. Like imagine, okay, alignment variant of Druid can be 5% of the field, and that already knocks Boar Priest's win rate down 2.5% below the average. If there's just 5% of alignment Druid, because that matchup is unwinnable. It just can't work. So, Boar Priest, high skill ceiling, yes, gets better as you play with the deck better, for sure, and it's very impressive and evident, but does it become a good deck if you play it better? Does it become a consistently successful deck if you play it better? I'm really unsure about that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another example of like, uh, what expansion was that? Where there was Quest Warlock? 
versus Bomb Warrior, which I think was also like 2080. And Quest Warlock never made it to tier one. The plot twist deck. Oh, that deck was just not good. But but yeah, there was some people who, were, who swore that that deck was actually good. But I think Boar Priest, uh, again, I don't want to knock it because I think that there's still time to maybe see what happens. Like, it could still surprise us. But so far, all I can go off is reality and evidence. And the evidence suggests it's not good anywhere on ladder, including top legend. Its win rate at top legend is regressing rather than improving so far. And it's been one of the weaker decks in the tournament scene as well. Now, some people say, like Meaty will tell you, a player who regularly hits top legend play. Uh, he, he regularly hits number one legend on ladder. He tells you he's not good enough to play, play Boar Priest. If Meaty's not good enough, and pros who tell, like, come out and say on Twitter that they're not good enough to play this deck, then this doesn't really matter how good it is in the mythical hands of some, I don't know, if Blyze does well with it over a sample of 20 games and posts it on Twitter, does that immediately mean that Borpris is the best deck in the game? You just need to be as good as Blyze? I don't know. Guys, I don't know. Uh, that sounds sketch, uh, to say My the least. My instinct so. here is that as a general rule, we're dealing with the players who win with decks like these are natural skill outliers with anything they touch. So as a general rule, if it doesn't end up looking like something like a Rote Rogue where you see the jump in top 1k, where you can see it in the data, if you can't see that, it's probably the player that's the outlier and not the deck. Yes, but there is a jump. It's just that it sure. goes from like 37% win rate to 46 45% win rate. That's still impressive. That's impressive. That doesn't make it good. That's yeah. all I'm saying. It is better. It's difficult. There are a lot of decisions but the idea is that you extrapolate it's a skill this testing to, deck. Yeah. But you can't extrapolate this to the idea that it keeps going. But skill testing doesn't mean good. Skill yeah. testing doesn't immediately mean that the deck is good. You can have a deck with a 30% win rate that's very skill testing. And it's going to have a 40% win rate if you know how to play it perfectly. But that's not going to make it a good deck. And a lot of people confuse skill testing between actual power. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to say about Boar Priest. Uh, I think we, we see this every time and unless there's data that actually shows Garot Rogue was dominant in a tournament scene. It was dominant. Garot Rogue was dominant at top legend. You saw it in the data. Like, I don't understand why people criticize data and say that the data doesn't show when we had this exact example just a few months ago, guys. I mean, open your eyes. We had Garot Rogue. It was super yeah. skill testing. It was very powerful in the hands of the best players. We saw it in the data. The data didn't miss it. The data didn't ignore it. The data saw it very clearly happening. If Borpriest shows the same, I'm going to be the first person who tells you Borpriest is the nuts. It gets better at high levels of play. It's dominant at top legend. The data shows it. Right now, it doesn't show it. That's all. Um, Yeah. Shellfish Priest is uh, far weaker than Borpriest. It's, it's just not relevant because if there's anything that Borpriest does well, Shellfish just does it worse. Um, And that's it. Unless you're that top legend player 
that counters control warriors and maybe tries to break even with demon hunters. Um, unless you're that player, priest is just not relevant as a class for the rest of ladder. Because boar priest is really, really bad if you don't know exactly what to do. If you, if you, yeah, it's just not, not, not a relevant deck for you. Paladin. Paladin, holy paladin is like, it's doing well at lower ranks of ladder. If you look at its performance at uh, lower brackets of ladder, it's pretty good. Holy Paladin. It drops off at the most advanced meta at top legend. You see that it's just worse than Control Warrior. It doesn't beat Demon Hunter as consistently. It loses the direct matchup against Control Warrior. So there's like in a format where you either play Demon Hunter or you play Warrior, Paladin doesn't really have a good role. Uh, it's also been very disappointing in the tournament scene as well. Uh, it's been performing pretty atrociously because, as I said, like it just doesn't match up well in a warrior meta. Uh, it doesn't like in the late game. The warrior has a clear edge. You can make the holy paladin a bit better in the warrior matchup. It's definitely possible. That's what we suggest in the report. But if you want to beat demon hunter, you you play warrior. You don't play paladin. Dragon paladin is actually kind of cool because you know last podcast I tell I told people. Play less dragons. And now I'm going to tell you, play all the dragons. Uh, and people c- kind of got confused uh, about the wording of the report. But what I meant is that there were dragon heavy builds and there were dragon light builds. The dragon light builds looked better until the dragon heavy builds became heavier with dragons. Like you just ran even they more were, dragons. They were half-assing it, right? And you got a whole asset. Yeah. You got to put, you, you put in so many dragons. And there's a very like there's a very easy explanation of why you want to go in on old dragons because when you're playing Kazakus and Paladin, the advantage that you have in the late game matchup is being able to play Kazakus and quickly before, for example, the warrior manages to play Kazakus. If you get to play Kazakus and an eight in that matchup, you can win the matchup. It's easier for you to win the matchup because the warrior hasn't accumulated resources yet, hasn't been able to deal, and nothing beats Kazakhstan, right? But the thing is, that in the current format, it's hard to play Kazakhstan on curve. For warrior, it's very difficult. It's almost impossible to do it. But if you stack enough dragons in Dragon Paladin, and you play a bunch of dragons, and you play Kazakhstan on turn 8 or very close to it, far before the warrior managed to mount some something, then you can definitely win the matchup. And the same for the matchup against Holy Paladin, the, the, the indirect mirror. So this is what you kind of do want to do with Dragon Paladin. But again, this is, this is not a deck that's like, it's not an amazing deck. It's playable. As playable as uh, a deck can be in the current format. Uh, I want to talk about Mech Paladin. I want to talk about Hand Buff Paladin. Mech Paladin, obviously, an answer to Control Warrior, but dies to Demon Hunter. Low skill ceiling. Again, a lot of decks in the current format has a, have a very low skill ceiling, which kind of makes the skill the high skill ceiling deck like Boar Priest look insane in terms of metrics. But you can't compare when there's so many of these decks watered down in terms of player agency which is something that you very much notice in the current format. Uh, Handbuff Paladin is very interesting. It's possibly better than Mac Paladin. I actually took the build in the report, the Mac Light Handbuff Paladin. I took it the ladder yesterday, had a 70% win rate at high MMR. 
running into golden mm. card backs and known mm. pros. And I had a 70% win rate. So it looked pretty impressive. Uh, like the list that we have on ladder right now look pretty decent. And they are, there are big misses in those decks. Like how do you run hand buff paladin and not run uh, fin twin and pack mule? These cards, I've seen some data for them and they are utterly insane. So you probably want to run them. You don't want to tr run trash like Talon. Whenever I see this new deck that runs Talon, the first thing that I do is cut Talon. Not because I hate Talon with the, the heat of a thousand suns, but whenever I see one of these decks pop up, one of the worst cards in the deck is always Talon. It's always Talon hat. Uh, so yeah. Run the good cards. Run the... Hand buff payoffs, the pack mules, and the fin twins. And this deck looks pretty good. It's pretty good and even has some game against Demon Hunter. That matchup is not terrible. Uh, it's I've had a 50% winner against Demon Hunters in that run. Yeah. So Talon's a card for Barons. We're not in Barons, so don't run Talon. It's that simple. Talon wasn't even that amazing in Barons. Uh like it's it's a very common bait. Uh and this deck is very good against Warrior, obviously. Like, buffing Paladin decks are generally good against Warrior because Warrior at best run one Brawl and you can very easily uh, stress the removal to the point where they have nothing left and you can play a very slow, patient game with this deck and just grind the Warrior to dust. Um, so part of the reason why I've had so much success. And even against Boar Priest, you can play almost like in a handlock fashion where you buff a lot of stuff. You don't even hit their face. So you yeah. don't give them Zyrella. And you just mm. put them in the position. That makes sense. They often run one like one silence. So what you do is you buff a lot of stuff. You put stuff for Battlemaster on the board. You don't give them the Zyrella. And you can just finish them off that way. And remember that when they equip the sword. Yeah, technically they can kill you in two turns. But they still, like, if you represent lethal, they can't equip the sword. Right? Because they just die. So they need to be able to equip the sword while not being threatened by a counter lethal with the things that you have on the board, which can be tricky, especially if they run one silence. So Handbuff Paladin looks pretty good, pretty promising for a deck that's not Demon Hunter or Warrior. And now we get to the sad part, Hat. We talk about the classes that feel unplayable or are actually unplayable. Rogue, Pyro, Rogue on ladder, pretty unplayable. If you want to know how unplayable Pyro Rogue is, at Top Legend, its win rate is lower than Shellfish Priest. That's how bad things are for Rogue right now. And yes, I know it did well in the tournament, in the Masters Tour, had one of the best win rates. Turns out when you can ban Demon Hunter, the one unwinnable matchup, you can have a better time focusing on countering Control Warrior. Or that does slower seem significant. Like See, Pyro here I was Rogue. thinking if I want to know how bad Pyro Rogue was, I just go to twitch.tv slash jalexanderhs and then I'll get all the information I need. And see how depressed how depressed he is right now. But Pyro has pretty good game against other decks in the format. For example, it's uh, it's really good against Boar Priest, for example. Like if you're playing Top Legend, if you only run into Control Warriors and Boar Priest and, and, and like uh, uh, Alignment Druids, then Pyro Rogue is pretty good. But yeah. it has a 25% winner against Demon Hunter. That's a problem. You don't I run in that lineup. I don't even care if Pyro is good. I'm playing a different game. Yeah. Those like, are the three decks I'm running into. <laughs> I 
<laughs> yeah, but I will do something. It's kind of it's kind of an issue when Demon Hunter, um, the best deck in the game, beats you seventy five percent of the time. And the thing is that Pyrox is Pyro. The only thing that it does well is beat these low matchups, and it wants to tech for it. And people are running Shadow Steps and other slow cards like Shroud. Then they're even worse against Demon Hunter. So in the report, we have a build that. Loses to Demon Hunter, but mainly not as hard, but still not good. So don't play Rogue and just forget about the class because it's very, very sad. Shaman, oh. I think, is a little bit underrated. A little bit underrated and looks worse statistically than it actually is. I think it's a tier 3 deck. Burn Shaman, if you play Cookie the Cook. Cookie the Cook is the Stone Cold Nuts hat. Oh, that card is so good against DH. It just and like it's usually 8 life, like 8 to 10 life. Uh, it really helps clean up the board, especially if you lead, like, we're playing also, we're playing Chain Lightnings, which is really great against Vanguards. If you have, like, a Chain Lightning into, uh, into Cookie, into Wildpaw Caverns, you're probably gonna beat the DH. That's probably what's gonna happen. Cookie into Caverns is Stone Cold Nuts in that matchup, and Cookie is insanely good card. When I looked at Cookie, I saw, oh, this is a card, this is like when, when Highlander Mage... Uh, started running in Prison Observer kind of card. This is this is the nuttiest card. It's so good against Demon Hunter. It's so good against Quest Hunter, which is one of your oppressively bad matchups. Maybe the worst matchup for Shaman. And having Cookie is so helpful in that matchup too. It's not going to make you favored, but it's going to gain you a lot of percentage points, and that counts for a lot. And I think Shaman is actually kind of playable uh, when you run the build that we have in the report. Also, Mutinous pretty good you can start you know boner mutinous brand mutinous in the late game uh snipe that that kazakistan from the warrior and suddenly uh they have trouble closing out the game against you um if you snipe kazakistan for example also relevant in the druid matchup so shaman is kind of can kind of hang in there it's not a top tier deck but i think it's better than looks statistically because statistically it looks really bad but cookie is its saver Warlock. I'm going to comment on things that didn't make it to the report because they came out too late. Warlock, so far, well, in terms of decks that we discussed in our report, gutter trash. Curse Warlock is like, I feel like it's almost like a, a pseudo Ticketus Warlock. And the reason why I'm saying this, uh, it kind of reminds me of Ticketus Warlock, is because to a lesser extent, because it's far less popular, the deck is gutter trash. And then there are people that I see comments that swear that this deck is actually really good. Um, I don't want to hurt these players' feelings, but if they are saying that, they're probably playing at very low ranks of ladder, where this deck is still bad, but not as bad. You know what I mean? It's kind of... Uh, it, it, when when Curse Warlock wins, it, seem, it looks dominant. Like it dominated the game, cleared all your threats, dealt a, a ton of damage to you, kind of looks good when it wins but it doesn't win a lot that's the problem this deck sucks it's really really bad uh by far the worst class in the game if you're looking at curse warlock you're looking at the phylactery builds really doesn't matter what you do with the phylactery builds you can run any card you want you can run cards that are actually bad like full-blown evil full-blown evil is not a good card in this deck you can run it though you can also run entitled customer which is also a pretty bad card in the stack surprisingly so but no card is going to help you make phylactic warlock better 
it just it's it's just not a good deck. Murloc Warlock, same thing. Not a good deck. Now, we've got Monsanto and Meaty Percy uh, posting Curse of Agony Warlock builds. Uh, those lists did not get into the database for this report, but they started to propagate pretty significantly after the report. Again, this is a top legend inbred meta deck that beats Boar Priest. Um, and that's what it does. It beats Boar Priest. It loses to Control Warrior. <laughs> Had this thing that supposedly beat beats Warrior? you fatigue. Well, I guess it doesn't really beat a Nelly, huh? I mean, you run Silence for Nelly. Um, there's one Starfish. Hope you have it yeah, on turn there's four. a Starfish. I guess you can alter a fire away the dredge. I mean, this deck has a 15% win rate against Quest Hunter. This deck's matchup against Druid is pretty rough as well. The Demon Hunter matchup is actually okay. The Demon Hunter matchup, I don't know, 50, maybe even a little bit more than 50%. Uh, maybe it's like even 55% win rate against Demon Hunter. Like it's that Demon Hunter is not the problem matchup. And it it wins, it beats Poor Priest. So here you go. You've got one or two matchup, one and a half matchup, a top legend. Person queues into one or two decks, does well, has a win streak, gets number one legend, posts it on Twitter, and then you think you you actually think this deck is good. But then you look at the diverse, uh, slightly more diverse matchup spread. You see that this deck makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> for general ladder play. It's it loses to Control Warrior, hat. It 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 loses hard to Control Warrior, like I don't know, and and not good against Druid as well. So, so the Curse Warlock, the Agony Warlock. I'm gonna call it Warlock Agony Warlock because there's another Curse Warlock deck. I don't want to confuse people. The Agony Warlock deck looks tier four, deep tier four, and definitely not the savior of the class. Um. So yeah. But 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 this is this is the calling of the times. This is this is a common thing that you see in a format where there's like two three playable decks. People just search for anything that wins one and a half matchups. Um, yep. and this is what this deck does. Uh, this so, control warrior matchup isn't even close to being close. No, it's like thirty seven. It's actually really really bad. It's like thirty seventy. Like this deck gets destroyed by control warrior. I actually, I'm again, this deck is new, and I'm not going to claim that I understand this deck. I'm not going to claim it. All I'm going to say, I'm going to say what the data shows to me, and the data shows to me that this deck loses hard to control here, and this is also true at high levels of play, so I don't think this is a piloting issue. This deck sucks. Beats Boar Priest. That's, that's what it does. Beats Boar Priest. Okay. Um, so yeah, so don't expect Warlock next week to look any better. And that's, that's the format. I tweeted out balance change suggestions. Uh, obviously in the kind of situation, people are interested in hearing what I think uh, should be nerfed. So let's talk about it. Uh, I actually didn't know how to nerf Drek'thar and, uh, one of the common suggestions I think makes the most sense is make it summon one minion. Oh, that's my nerf. That's my nerf. Recruit one. Yeah, that's, recruit uh, one. Yeah. Yeah, so the thing is, Drek'thar is kind of a car like, 
if you change it to a three mana three three, does it get worse or does it actually get better? <laughs> like it's the kind of card that's very hard to balance. Remember what I said about poorly designed cards? They're pretty hard to balance. I think Drekthar comes into that, definitely fits that to a T. Yeah. At three mana, the deck building restriction starts to become pretty significant, but I'm not going to be thinking about the deck building restriction when they have it on two on the coin. Three mana blowout. We want to make this card clearly worse. The only way to make it clearly worse and keep the theme, the flavor, the fact that it has the same stats and costs as Vandor, just make it summon one minion. It's going to make it worse. It's going to make it potentially unplayable. Good. You know that meme where... You say, good, yeah. We don't want this card to be a popular thing in the format when it's called to Barnes. In uh, this nerf, it's both Demon Hunter and Quest Hunter. People saying, Zacko, why don't you want to nerf Quest Hunter? I am nerfing Quest Hunter. I am nerfing the best card by far that Quest Hunter has. Quest Hunter without Drek'thar is nowhere near as good. Point blank. That's the first thing. Second thing is multi-strike. You want to hit Demon Hunter with another card. And though multi-strike is not a power outlier, it is clearly the best card that's not Drek'thar or Kurtris, uh, the hero card. So multi-strike for one mana is too efficient. Uh, It's one of the cards that the main factors into why other initiative-focused decks just don't see play in the format because multi-strike just solves their entire early game as well as enabling tons and tons of off-board damage against defensive decks thanks to Dread Prison Glaive. We want to make that combination worse. We want to make that combination more expensive. I think multi-strike at two mana is still a very good card. That's the thing. At one mana, it's just too good. Uh, so make that worse. And then we talk about Warrior. I think Warrior needs a nerf. I don't like suggestions to make Shield Chatter do less damage for the same cost. Because in turn four or in turn three, if they buckler shatter you, how many five health minions do you even have? That makes it relevant. You don't need to make that card do less damage. What you need to do is make that card come down later in the game. And that's why I think that Shield Shatter should be pushed to 12 mana. So that Buckler Shatter costs 4 now if you don't have armor. And Heavy Plate Shatter isn't even a slower play. Just give decks some breathing room to be able to put stuff on the board. You know, actual minions on the board. People are talking about clamoring for board-based meta, but removal is just so good right now. Like Things like Multi-Strike and Shield Shatter are the causes why you can't actually play for board. Well, and this is what happens in Forza metas. We've talked about it. Everyone has to play for board because the tools are not there, and you always end up with a couple classes that either ignore it or exploit it. Hat. You are overgeneralizing four sets metas and five set meta way too hard. We've had all sorts of different types of metas post rotation. I don't think, like, what you, I think what you want to say is that there's lower power level. So when there, there are removal cards that are really, really strong, they can outclass all of the things that are available in such a format. And part of the reason why there are a lot of classes that feel unplayable is because of that. Because there are certain certain classes rely on board, on developing the board, and then you've got things like Shield Chatter 
and multi-strike that just don't allow them to breathe. On top of Drek'thar, just, just like, there's just... How do you answer a turn for Drek'thar in the current format? It's pretty hard for a lot of classes that maybe could have dealt with it better before rotation. That there There is something there, but... I mean, you can call it force, you can call it post-rotation, you can call it whatever you want. We've always had the need for balance changes. I mean, every meta needs balance changes, but we've always had the same kind of changes after rotation where you have to pull back the decks that kill stuff too well as the aggressive deck and pull back the decks that kill stuff too well as the from hand deck. And we're kind of seeing the same thing. I don't know. Seems pretty reliable and consistent to me. I think I think the I think these are the balance changes that you need to do. Yes, control warrior can be countered by other things, but I don't think I don't think you want C- Control Warrior to be perpetually this dominant against aggressive decks. Even if you don't see the aggressive decks right now, because Demon Hunter is killing them, doesn't mean that they they don't theoretically exist. And as long as Shield Shatter is going to be a card that just stopped them so easily in the early game, uh, it's going to be a big stumbling block for their ability to be viable. And this is this is around for the rest of the year too. I don't want. Like, Rend was really, really powerful for most of last year at four mana. I don't really want to deal with two mana Rend gain five life. I don't really want that to be a thing that's in the format for the whole year. And and Soulrend is only Soulrend is only playable when you run Demon Seed as well. Uh, it's yeah. only playable in Demon Seed decks. Shield Chatter is a generically powerful AoE for any control warrior deck that gains armor. Like, yeah, it's really, really strong, and there are the you're not even making it slower because they usually wait. Like you can play a turn two if you want to, but instead, what you're doing is you're making it so they can't do shield shatter and everything else they want to do in the same turn, and that I think is the more important thing. Also, Rokara, Rokara shatter is too good. Rokara shatter is too good. They buffed Rokara specifically to make shield shatter better. But I think it's just that interaction is too good. Uh, if you play Rakar, you need to make some sort of sacrifice. Like you're doing one thing, you're equipping that big weapon, and you're gonna have incremental value over time. But being able to Rakar Shadow on seven automatically, I think it's just too good. And it's nice as well because if you nerf Shield Shadow to twelve, theoretically, as the opponent, you can decide I'm going to play a Fury on turn four to attack you for an extra couple of damage so that you have zero armor instead of two, and then you have to then you might not be able to shatter on your turn. I get to decide that as your opponent. I get to interact with you. It's fun and interactive. Shield shatter is too good. You also see it statistically it's too good. Uh it's really, really powerful card in control warrior decks and, and pretty much the the main reason why they're so dominant against anything that develops board. So make that worse, and we might have uh, a better format. But yeah, basically, you can also consider nerfing Nelly. Honestly, uh, I wouldn't be opposed. Wouldn't be upset. I, I'm. I every time I mouse over it and I see uh, see Mr. Smite, I'm like, I'm just gonna. I just don't want to play. I this mean, game it happens fifty percent of the time when they play Nelly. It's a coin flip on whether they have Smite or not. I think it feels really bad. I think it's a bad play experience. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I just, I would like that to stop happening. I, if it was just Smite is not in the pool anymore, I would be fine. That's the only card I care about seeing. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I think, uh, 
I think Katoria does need it to be toned down a little bit. Um, which is part of the reason why I make want to make two nerfs to Demon Hunter, because if you're nerfing Demon Hunter and you nerf its primary counter, then are you making Demon Hunter that much worse? No, which is why uh, I think uh, Multi-Strike also needs to be addressed. That's kind of what my, th my thoughts are. Uh, but yeah, I'm... Uh, but but that's it. That's that's the format right now. Very limited. We don't we don't have we didn't have much to say about uh, other decks because just just play Demon Hunter. It's just so much better. Um, yeah, looks pretty bad, but hopefully it'll get better after another set of balance changes. I just I, I'm, like the the other thing that I'm I'm concerned about is that like nerfing doesn't actually. Like it fix it can fix power outliers, but it doesn't fix the problem that there's some classes that are just unplayable. I would like to see buffs too. I'm hoping they do yeah. buffs, but it, and it's obvious what you buff, right? There are all sorts of packages of cards that just sit there in your collection, do nothing. Murloc, Warlock package, Thief Rogue package. There's just so many things you can buff and just give some life to that just don't see play and just they just. Sit there in your collection and do nothing. And I'd like Team 5 to buff these things so we can experiment with them again. So we can have more things to experiment with. Because honestly, outside, you know, you know, I can... Sometimes they're going to be a deck that's overpowered or whatever. But what bothers me more when I queue up ladder or when I play this game right now is that I feel like I'm very limited in what I can actually do. I'm sitting there and I'm, 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 you know, I, I look over, I skim through the collection and I'm seeing so many cards that are just completely useless and I don't actually have options to experiment with and have fun with. And that bothers me more than, I don't know if more, it, Drekthar bothers me a lot and I hate that card, but I wish I could experiment and do different things more, you know, at least try. Before I lose and, and delete the deck, I don't even ha I don't feel like I even have enough cards that are playable in the collection to to make new stuff with, and that's kind of uh, that's 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 kind of a downer. Again, more likely to happen in a smaller format and with a sm with a smaller card pool, but it, it just it's just felt so hard right now. Hat, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. I was hoping that one yeah. of the new decks was going to be good, but they all just died a red or green. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, Agony uh, Warlock loses to Control Warrior. What the hell? Crazy. I mean, you. I mean, technically, you just hold 10 cards in hand and they can't actually... Yeah, it makes sense, but... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, okay. I, I, was, I was hoping one of the new decks would be, would be cool, interesting, fun, whatever, but instead it's... Uh, it's just, you know, we're gonna we're gonna play with this stuff. Sometimes I will choose to play worse decks on purpose because I want variety, and then I will lose to one of the good decks. And I'll sometimes I'll play one of the good decks, and I'll get in the mirror matches. And I just want to be having more fun than I'm having. So hopefully, happens soon-ish. In the meantime, we'll make it work. But uh, yeah, it's, it's if there's... there are balance changes next week, there might not be a report. Uh, yeah. But I don't expect uh, standard balance changes in, in in next week's patch. So report will be as usual on Thursday the twelfth, and podcast on the fourteenth likely. Yeah, but I'm I'm not expecting balance changes, but you know maybe they'll surprise us. We'll see what happens. Either way, 
Really appreciate everyone tuning in, listening. You can support the show through VS Gold, VS Silver, Patreon. Thanks to everyone who subs and supports. Really appreciate you. Um, Evil Dave, thank you so much for the podcast transcriptions. Steven Sensei, thank you so much for the intro and outro. That's going to do it. See you all next week. Maybe. Hopefully. Probably. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers. <laughs>